0: Good morning. It's so good to have everybody here. As Nathan said, uh, we are going to have a special offering for uh, those who have suffered during uh, the hurricane. We're going to be partnering with the International Disaster Emergency Service, which is a Christian organization that goes into areas like this. And so uh, that's where it's going. If you're writing a check, uh, make it out to the church. We'll collect the money and then send one lump sum to IDES uh, for them to use there. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and the opportunity to open your word. We pray, Father, that it would speak and that we, your servants, would be listening Father, help us to see what it is that you have for us today. Uh, Father, there's a lot of times we bring in our, uh, our own thoughts on how things should go, and so we pray that today um, we would listen to what your word says, and maybe not what our upbringing or our tradition or whatever may say. Father, give me the words to speak. Uh, help them to be your words, nothing more and nothing less. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this morning we need a little bit of a history lesson before we get started on James chapter 2. So,. All of Jewish history kind of starts with Abraham, and then it kind of kicks back up once they run away from Egypt, right? The Israelites leave Egypt, they're going through the desert, and everywhere that they stop, they set up a worship place they called the tabernacle. Every single time they stopped, they would set it up, and then when God would leave that place, they would say, okay, it's time to go. Eventually, they made it to the promised land, and they set up a temple. But in both of these situations, there were areas that you could go and that you could not go. You had the Holy of Holies. You had the holy place, and that's where priests could go. You had the inner court, which Jewish men could go if they were ritually pure. Then you had the court of women where Jewish women could go. And then you had outside the court of the Gentiles. And this is where if you were not a Jew, you you had to go there. You could not go anywhere else. And between each of these places were barriers. The highest barrier was between the court of the women and the court of the Gentiles. Because the Jews knew that if a Gentile came into worship with them, it would mess the whole thing up. And if a giant wall wasn't enough, what they would do is they would go and get these rocks, and they would write in Greek so that everyone could read it, messages essentially telling everyone who wasn't a Jew, stay out. They would write messages like, this is only for pure people. They made no bones about it. You are not welcome here. You you can't go here. And then something happened. There was a man who grew up and claimed he was the Messiah. He did signs and wonders. He was arrested. He was crucified. And when he said it was finished, there was a veil that covered the Holy of Holies, and it was ripped in two. And then something else happened. A few days later, there were two women. This is in Matthew 28, if you wanted to look it up later, but Matthew 28, two women. There's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, which by the way, how would you like to be known for all of eternity as the other Mary? Like one gets a last name and you're the other one. But they're they're leaving and they're going to go to the temple after the Sabbath and they get there. And when they get there, there's this huge earthquake and an angel comes down and rolls away the stones and the guards who were there are petrified in fear and then admits all of this the angel starts having a conversation with the two Marys and it says this in Matthew 28 5 it says the angel said to the women do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified he is not here he has risen just as he said the angel says this is huge He's not here. Everything that he told you is true. You may have started having doubts when he died on that cross, but make no mistake, he is who he says that he is. And then the angel says three words that kind of define Christian evangelism from that point forward. The angel says, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see. You see, all of Jewish history is you go there. And after the empty tomb, it's come and see. And it's twofold, really. It's literally, hey, you guys can walk into this tomb. You can go. You can look. You saw when they took him off of the cross. They wrapped him up and they laid him right here. The linens are still here, but he is not. He's not here. Literally, come and see. And we kind of see this throughout the New Testament, right? When Jesus shows up to the disciples, or first, when the Marys run back and tell the disciples that the tomb's empty, they go and they see. Jesus shows up behind locked doors, and he says, hey, look, here's the the nail prints of my hand. Come and see. Thomas isn't there. So Jesus shows up again and says, Thomas, look, come and see. The early church, when they came and they preached about Jesus, they basically said, if you think this is all baloney, you can go right down the street, and you can go see for yourself come and see but there's a second part to this it's once you walk in you will truly see for the first time the way you thought things were the way you thought things should work how you see the world before you go into this tomb is one way But when you see what Jesus has done and you come out, you'll see the world completely different. And if you're a Christian, that's you. You haven't been to the tomb and seen exactly where He lay. There's not a physical come and see for us. But there's this. That at some point in our life, we view the world in a certain way, and then Jesus came along. And when Jesus came along, our vision changed. We started seeing things the way God wants us to see it. Come and see changes everything because it, because it wasn't the way it was for, I don't know, ever. Like from day one, there was always you go there, and now there's come and see. And who is he saying this to? Two women. Two women who, if they went to the temple, could only get so far before they had to stop. And where did this message go? It went to people who were Jews and who were Gentiles. People who had to stay on the outside. That's why verses like this in Ephesians 2 make a little bit more sense. Paul writes, Therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember, remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. I'm sure all the Gentiles were like, Yeah, Paul, we've tried to forget that. Thank you for bringing that back up. But he says, But now in Christ Jesus you once we're far away, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then read this next verse. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. This is a literal reference to that wall that all of them remember telling them that they didn't belong. And Paul says it's gone. It's gone. There's not you and you, there's us. We are... Together. There's no more walls. And that's good news. That's the good news that we carry. That's the gospel message. Come and see whoever you are because there's no more walls. There's no more barriers. And that's what makes it so frustrating that we have to read what we read today. Because it wasn't a problem that developed over centuries and centuries in the church. It started from day one. You see, even though God's people are supposed to be people who tear down barriers, the world builds them up. The world wants us to group people by demographic, by economic status, by race, by language, by ethnicity. It wants us to group people by who their parents are. They want to group people by which part of town they grew up in. We want to group people based on things and build walls and box them in and start believing that because they are this type of person or because they had this type of upbringing, then all of a sudden then they're capable of this or they're probably doing that and we have have stereotypes and presuppositions about who they are. That's the way the world works. And unfortunately, it took less than a full generation of Christians to just accept the fact that there are some walls in the world, and kind of assimilate those into the church. And a people who, starting with Jericho, were supposed to tear down walls, instead Starting riding on ro- rocks, telling people who could and could not belong. And unfortunately, here we are 2,000 years later, and we do the same thing. There's the wall of race, and so we pick up a rock, and we say, you know, I'm not racist, but, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know that you belong here. Or we look at what someone wears, or we look at the money that they have or don't have, and We go to that wall of economics and we put a rock there that says, you know, you just don't kind of fit here. Or we take that wall that says family heritage and we just pick up a rock and we say, I know your mom and dad and I just don't know that you have any hope. And whether we say this directly or indirectly, whether we mean to or not, whether it's, it's something that we do loudly or something that we do in our heads, we put up barriers and we add messages to them to tell people who belong and who don't. And that's the problem. And that's what James is trying to talk about in James 2. He's saying, you are a people where there are no barriers. So why are there barriers in your life? Why are there barriers in your churches? Why is there barriers in your faith? You have a come and see faith, which means there are no obstructions. Why are you adding some? This is why he seems so angry at James two. Is because they've already got it wrong. And so let's learn today, how can we make sure, if we are, come and see people, that we see the world that way. James 2, verses 1-7. through 7. James says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold to the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or you sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Just like Nathan's communion meditation today, it still happens. From that day forward, I kind of jokingly say that christians just desperately want a christian celebrity we just desperately want someone to make christianity look cool and we want to cling on to them and so the very first time some movie star or singer quotes a bible verse we hang our head on and like yes this is great this is wonderful and 99 out of 100 times thank goodness for tim tebow the, the people turn away the people turn away, and they end up doing more harm than good, and they turn away from faith, they turn away from the church, they start accepting things that we shouldn't accept, and we just get let down. And yet, if they walked into our church right now, we would make sure they had a seat. Because we love celebrity. Paul says, listen, you had two different people come into your, your, your assembly. You had someone who is rich, someone who knows how to dress for church, someone who you want there." And you tell them, here is the place of honor. And then you have someone who doesn't look like you or someone who doesn't have the money that you do. And all of a sudden, you're going back to the tabernacle and back to the temple and saying, hey, go back here. Or even worse, notice what he said, sit down at my feet, you know, like a servant does. James says, this isn't the way it works. You shouldn't, you shouldn't show partiality. Verse five, he says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? Paul says, guys, those people that you're putting in seats of honor are the ones who are trying to get you killed. They're the ones who are suing you for meeting you, meeting in this place. They're the ones who are taking your names to authorities to try to get you arrested because they are influenced by the world. And yet people who just want Jesus, you are ignoring because they don't meet your standards. And the problem is that's still the case today. We will bend over backwards to accommodate those that we like And we will try to shun those that we don't. But barriers start to fall when we see people like God sees them. When we see them as God sees them, there are no barriers. There is not a them and me. There is just an us. We could see a rich man. We could see a poor man. Or we could just see two men who came to worship. Now, I want to make sure you're still awake. So, uh, we're going to raise our hand if we agree with a few statements this morning. I believe the Bible when it says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Raise your hand. I believe the Bible when it says that God knit me together in my mother's womb. Raise your hand. I believe the Bible, like we read last week, tells me that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God is preparing in advance for us to do. Raise your hand good. I'm glad that you all believe that. Now here's the thing. Before those verses, it didn't say your name. And it didn't say mine. And before those verses, it didn't say the group of people you like and the group of people I like. Which means those verses apply to you and they apply to everyone else too. That means what you believe the Bible says about you it says about everyone else too. Everyone is fearfully and wonderfully made. Everyone was knit together by God in their mother's womb. Everyone is created God's handiwork in Christ Jesus for a purpose that he is creating for them to do. Everyone. N.T. Wright says, The world is always assessing people, sizing them up, putting them down, establishing a pecking order, and God, who sees and loves all alike, wants the church to reflect that generous universal love and how it behaves. If God can see everything and see everyone and have one standard, which is you were created in the image of God for a purpose, then we ought to as well. I think the most prevalent issue we're facing today is is the the racial tensions in our country. And it's terrible. Yet I hear people go around saying something, they say, I'm colorblind. I don't see I don't see colour. Which I think is a good intention, but I think it's terrible theology. Because if we wanted to be color, if we were supposed to be colorblind, God would have made us all the same color. I think God wants to see, I don't know, like we sing when we're three years old, red, yellow, black, and white, that they're all beautiful in His sight. I think He wants us to see the different colors that make up this world so we can appreciate in Revelation where it says, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. He just doesn't want us to see black and assume something about their life, or see brown and assume something about their life. He wants to say, wow, created in God's image for God's purpose. That's what a world without barriers looks like. It's not looking at the color of someone's skin and trying to come up with what we think about them. It's looking at someone and saying, created in God's image for God's purpose. That's what we're here for. And that's the problem that James is running into with this church. He's saying you are seeing and placing distinctions on people when they come in, when the person who is rich and the person who is poor and everyone who is in between is created in God's image for God's purpose. You're all the same. So we continue on in James 2. It says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but falls in one po- or fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. James says you break one part of it you are a lawbreaker now he uses some pretty drastic examples right he uses killing someone and cheating on your wife or cheating on your husband there's pretty drastic examples so let's put it into modern day terms if you drive 56 in a 55 even if you are not caught you are breaking the law I am breaking the law If you go to your neighbor's house and you beat them up, you are breaking the law. Now, the sentencing is going to be different. right? You're going to get a small ticket for 56, if you will. You're going to get time in prison for beating up your neighbor. But do you know what you both share in common? You both broke the law. When it comes down to it, you both technically have a criminal record. And James is saying that. He's saying, listen, you're highlighting the fact that you haven't killed anyone. That's fantastic. We, we want more of that. You, you haven't cheated on someone. That's great. We, we're all for marriage here. But when someone walks in and you automa- automatically start making distinctions, you're messing up. That's not what you're supposed to do. He says, what you should do is this royal law that we find in Scripture. You love your neighbor as yourself, and Jesus defines your neighbor as everyone. And So we have to be a people who love people like God loves them. That's the way barriers come down. We love people. We see people the way God sees them. Then we choose to love them the way God loves them. And so then the question is, well, how how does that happen? There are... 66 books in here of a love story about how God loves his people. You can read the whole thing, it would be a very long sermon. And so let's just pick out one section of it. First Corinthians 13. All right. Those of you who are familiar with this may be shocked to know it's not about a wedding. It's I mean it, it applies. Don't get me wrong. You, But 1 Corinthians 12 is the Corinthian church making distinctions among themselves because they really like the people with really public spiritual gifts, and they're ignoring the people who don't have public spiritual gifts. And Paul is saying, you are all together. You are one, you are united, and this is the glue that holds you together, it's love. And so how do we break down the barriers in our world is that we choose to love. And so love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's beautiful, and it looks great on a poster in your room. And it's really hard to do. Because if we made this a checklist, we would get to number one. Love is patient. Nope. <laughs> Ironically, immediately, we are, we're off on that one. We don't have time to be patiently loving people. We want them to get their act together right here and right now. We don't need to wait for this. No, love is patient. I mean, if you go through and you just have this checklist and you ask how good you are at doing all of this, chances are we're going to make some startling discoveries. What about the fact that it doesn't dishonor others? You know, like those Facebook posts that talk about those people. Where you choose to elevate someone's self-worth instead of tear it down. What about keeping records of wrongs? Oh, we are terrible at this. Right? We're terrible at this. We don't love people fully because of what they did when they were in 6th grade and now they're 78. We are terrible at this. We hold grudges. Or even worse, we hold grudges because someone who looks like them or fits their category did did something to us once and so we automatically think they'll do the same thing. We don't love like that. And I think that one of the things is we don't delight in evil, but rejoice in truth. We would rather agree with people who we feel comfortable with than to stand for truth when those people are doing something wrong. It's the way we do it. If you want an application just from this section today, the verses are here on the screen. And I, I did this exercise this weekend, and I want to let you know that I failed. Your preacher fell. With someone who doesn't look like you, act like you, or really have anything to do with you, when's the last time you protected someone like that? When's the last time you chose to trust them? When's the last time you chose to hope for the good and the best for that person? When's the last time that you made a commitment that you would not rest and that you would be with that person or that type of person for all of eternity as long as it takes to see them through? I failed that test. And I guess that a lot of us have too. You see, seeing people the way God sees them causes us to love people as God loves them. Because everything that we've read, that we talked about, is way too hard for us to do in 1 Corinthians 13. God does every day with me and you. He's perfect in love. He fits every one of these categories and more. And so to tear down the barriers in our society, we have to make sure, and in our churches, we have to make sure we're seeing people as God sees them, loves them as God loves them and that sounds really really hard because it is and yet this is what gives us the motivation to do it James 2:12 James says so speak and so act as those who are going to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy mercy triumphs over judgment all this happens because we are motivated by mercy and not judgment if you go to a judge and you get convicted of something, where do you go? You go to jail, and they put you behind bars. The same thing's true every time we judge. Judgment means building a barrier around someone and saying, this is just who you are. Because you have this much money, because you came from this part of town, whatever, this is, this is who you are. That's what judgment does mercy says you're created in the image of God for God's purpose. I'm going to love you even though it's going to be really hard, but we want you to come and see. 1 Peter 2:10 says once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you we were on the outside we don't have to read the rocks telling us we don't belong anymore because we have an empty tomb that tells us we do. And we get to come in. And we get to be a part of the family, and that means so does everyone else. You see, when we choose to view the world through the lens of the empty tomb, we're going to become barrier breakers, and we're going to see things wisely. We will, see some people, we will see all people as people created in the image of God and for a purpose. We're going to choose to love them with a holy love from God that fits all criteria. And we're going to do all this because we're choosing mercy over judgment. And it starts right now. Like we said last, last week, God is already going where you're getting ready to go, and he has something for you to do, and chances are that's a person a person to love, a person to care for, a person who you have no idea what they've been through today, but they need a smiling face and someone to tell them that God loves them, you can do that. And so let's be a people who go to the rocks of society and say, I know we don't look the same. I know that we have different backgrounds. But there's going to be a day where that doesn't matter. And we're going to stand side by side, hand in hand, and we're going to praise God, hey, Hey, come and see. And we're going to go to the people and say, hey, the Bible talks to us about this crown of righteousness. You know, all the treasures on this earth, they're going to go away. And so maybe they have more than we do or less than we do. It doesn't matter. What matters is that they can have the same thing we have, which is eternal life. And so we're going to say, hey, I, I want you to live for something more than this. There's a beautiful gift of salvation that God gives you, and he, I've accepted it. I'd love for you to come along. Hey, come and see. And we go up to someone and we say, hey, I know you've had it rough. I know your family life hasn't been good. I know that your reputation maybe isn't the best. I know you've messed up, but you know what the Bible says? The Bible says I'm in the same boat as you because I've messed up too. But I found this this empty tomb that Basically, it is my storage unit for my sins, and it takes it away, and I never have to deal with it ever again. And come and see. Come and see. You see, once we become come and see people, we'll see things the way God sees them. We'll see people the way God sees them. And our church will be without barriers, and we will go out into this world And take down everyone that Satan's trying to build up. But we have to choose to see. So we're taking home this today. Everyone is created in the image of God for a purpose. Invite them to come and see through your words, through your actions, and through your social media posts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. You do not leave us out, abandoned, away from everyone and everything. You don't make us worship from afar because you died so there would be no more walls, no more barriers, no more things keeping our eyes obstructed from your view. Because of Jesus and because of the cross and because of the empty tomb, we can come and see who we are in you and we thank you for everyone in here who has made that decision, and we pray that because of that decision, we see things differently. Father, give us eyes that see the same thing that you see. Give us a heart that loves the same way that you love. And give us a motivation of mercy and not of judgment. Help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen this morning, I, I can't preach a sermon about it and not invite you to come and see. The world will change. Jesus stays the same. And his offer for you to come to him and to say, you know what, I believe that you are who you say you are. You did what you said you're going to do, and I want to be a part of this. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. And so this morning, I invite you to come and see. Maybe you need prayer. We invite you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Our elders are sitting up here. They'd love to pray with you too. Let's be standing today. Come and see. Christ ambassadors, you take that to the world. Thank you for being here this morning. Don't forget, we've got two adorable children back here taking up uh, the offering for Hurricane Harvey. Patterson and Nisha are back here, and um, if you don't mind just dropping that off, 100% of it goes to the hurricane relief uh, through IDE. so uh, we'd love for you to do that. Also, uh, I'm going to be out and a few of others are going to be out there. Uh, Tabitha and Josh are going to be out in the, the four-year Um, You helped us out by filling out your connection card earlier today, Um, but there's more stuff that you can add, like stuff that you want to serve in and uh, more information that that would help us out in connecting you. And so if you want to update that, we're going to be sitting out there to talk with you today uh, about updating that stuff so that we can better uh, serve you and minister to you with the stuff that you want to do here. Once again, no Sunday night tonight. Thank you guys so much. Hey, we have come and we've seen... Now let's go tell the world about it. Be, have a great week. We love you. Go and tell the world.
1: In the darkness of night, not a star was in sight. On the highway that leads down below, Jesus came. in. Save my soul from sin Hallelujah, I'm ready to go